Hallelujah. Whoa. Where's LaVon at? LaVon in the house? Oh, she's working today. Well, who knows about enough about what happened with her praying for that lady in a wheelchair can tell that. Whitney, you want to do that? Does anybody know this story? I don't know the story, but... Apparently, um, Thursday night out in Concord at that meeting, um, you know, there was over 10,000 people that showed up. Just a tremendous thing. I was with Dean and Jenny. We were out there trying to get in. Got into overflow. You know, it was awesome. There was over 1,000 people, I'd say, in overflow. 7,500 people seated in the, in the arena Another thousand, so that's 8,500, and then they turned away traffic for two, two, three miles, five miles, yeah, miles, a lot of miles, five or six miles down the highway, and uh, they reported that people were pulling over and getting out of their cars and worshiping Jesus on the side of the road, so... But anyway, one of the reports that was given in the meeting, they brought this lady up there who had been in a wheelchair for, I think, 13 years, is that right, Sandy? Anyway, my people aren't in here. I think it was 13 years she'd been bound in a wheelchair. Our Levon uh, prays for this woman outside the building, not even in the building. She gets up out of her wheelchair, starts walking. Right there, she's on the set. I mean, I'm like, whoa, come on, Levon. So, I mean, that was exciting. And uh, then Gwen, Gwen's up there testifying. And uh, she was up there on the stage. But it was just a, how many people were able to make it in? to the villain. Yeah, wow, a lot of people went out there. I saw most of you guys out there. What a tremendous time and um wow, how what a blessed time. So Huh? You made it outside? Yeah, all right. That's hungry. <laughs> well, in honor of my grandmother who's never heard me preach and uh is here today, I want to read this story that she passed on to me and thought you guys would like this. It says, uh, Morris and his wife Esther went to the state fair every year. And every year Morris would say, Esther, I'd like to ride in that helicopter. Esther always replied, I know, Morris, but that helicopter ride is $50. And $50 is $50. One year Esther and Morris went to the fair and Morris said, Esther, I'm 85 years old. If I don't ride that helicopter, I might never get another chance. To this, Esther replied, Morris, that helicopter ride is $50. And $50 is $50. The pilot overheard the couple and said, Folks, I'll make you a deal. I'll take the both of you for a ride. If you can stay quiet for the entire ride and not say a word, I won't charge you. But if you say one word, it's $50. Morris and Esther agreed, and up they went. The pilot did all kinds of fancy maneuvers, but not a word was heard. He did his daredevil tricks over and over again, but still not a word. When they landed, the pilot turned to Morris and said, By golly, I did everything I could to get you to yell out, but you didn't. I'm impressed. Morris replied, Well, to tell the truth, I almost said something when Esther fell out, but you know, $50 is $50. Oh, wow, $50. Yeah, go Grandma. That's right. So, hallelujah. Will you guys stand up one more time with me? I just want to pray. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord.
That was Chuck, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Lord, we are just so in love with You. Every day, Jesus, You overwhelm me with the beauty of Your presence. And I just can't thank You enough for, for just, your, just who You are. Just pray this prayer after me. Holy Spirit, come. Overtake me. Overtake my mind. Overtake my emotions. Overtake my will. And baptize me fresh today with fire. Thank you, Lord. Woo, yeah. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Woo. We could just soak in that for a while, but uh, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I was saying, I was, this came to me in the. Every day is like a new adventure with God, you know, to me. And um, I want to share with you this morning some shift that happened sometime in the past year or two years that has really made my life with Christ even more that way. And uh, it was how many people grew up playing in the woods? Anybody grew up playing in the woods? You know how you can go out of the woods and you can find a thousand different things to play with? You know, it's like there's so many. I was, one day I took my, my eight-year-old Judah down to the woods and I was kind of showing him around, you know, t- t- teaching him the tricks of the trade, old dad, what he used to do. And uh, we used to find these big old saplings, I guess they are. They're just uh, these trees that had virtually no limbs on them, but were about 40, 50 feet high, you know. And I guess they're young trees, but there weren't many branches, and they're real, you know, flexible. Anyway, we would shimmy up those trees like a pole, and then once you get to the you just grab on, and it just lowers you down, you know. So you're 50 feet in the air, and we call them parachute trees. You know, we just do that for hours, one time after the other, and see who could get up the tallest tree, you know. And then, and then, then we were walking along, and there was this vine that just grew down, like down off this tree and then curved up like that and grew over another log. And it was like this perfect swing. I put Jude on it. <laughs> just See, you can swing. There's a swing right here built in. And, and I was thinking about that this morning, how really the spirit world, God's world, that He's released here on the earth when Jesus came is kind of like those woods. There's a spirit forest. You never know what you're going to get. And that's what I love about showing up to church in the first service, as Byron mentioned, all of a sudden it was like there was this spirit, not like there was, there was this sense of a spirit waterfall somewhere here about here. I I don't understand all that, but it was like in in that place there was just this intense, what was it, Byron? Love, just this intense thing going on there. I was like, we didn't schedule that. It's not on the order of service at 928. You know, we're going to do the waterfall. and You know, we can't. There's no way to do that. It's just every time you show up, you just never know what God's going to do. And isn't that wonderful? You know, it's just it's such a great thing to see who God's going to heal next or use next. And it's just a big adventure, it feels like. So I'm just so excited about that. Christ in you, the expectation of glory. You probably hear that mostly as Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope. But in the Bible concordance, there's a synonym for hope is expectation. And I chose that word because to me, expectation, you hear talked about a lot in the Lakeland Revival, hungry. Are you hungry tonight? You know, they're always saying, it's like that expectation. How many people have an expectation of what God's going to do, even just in here this morning? 
You know, if you ever go into a conference and there's this expectation because people have traveled and you're, you know the big names are there and there's this expectation and this, God always moves, doesn't He? There's something about the hunger. Okay, but here Paul denotes an expectation for something specific and that's a hope of the glory. The expectation of glory. Where is that? Where does it come from and how do, does it make residence in our lives? Okay, so that's my goal this morning. Now, I want to start off with a quote from this really wise man. He's getting up there in years these days, but his name's Byron Wicker. And uh, (laughs) he said this last week. He says, God wants to make the body of Christ the envy of the world instead of the joke of the world. So I thought to myself, well, how are you going to do that, Lord? Because there is just so much skepticism out there. There's some, and honestly, we haven't helped ourselves a whole lot. You know, at times, speaking of the overall church. And um, it's interesting because, you know, now, uh, how many people saw the Geraldo interview with Todd Bentley? You know, Geraldo, yeah, I think there's been another one since then. Yeah, yeah. So Geraldo interviews him, and the very last thing he says to him is like, well, Todd, this all sounds great, but I need some, I need some documentation, some medical proof. He's like, I've got it here, right? You want it? I've got it right, you know, right here. And he's like, well, thank you very much. We'll talk to you. We'll follow up later. And that was kind of the end of it. So the other night, if you weren't there, Todd announced that the Geraldo show called him back and said, they sent him the documentation. Even one was a resurrection from the dead. Medical, medically documented. They sent him these things to the Geraldo to his show at Fox News, and they called him back and said, we've never seen anything like this, and we're, we want to do a follow-up story. I mean, there, there is a shift going on here because God, the spirit world is real, and it's coming, it's here on earth, and it, it produces fruits. <laughs> and the world is going to see this thing very shortly. He also said for the first time he announced that Oprah has contacted them about doing something. They're already scheduled to do a whole show with ABC News Nightline. That Nightline show that comes on at, what, 11.30 after the local news, something like that. And they've got a Hollywood producer that wants to do a reality TV show with, with the revival. I mean, it's already a reality show to me. I, I was telling somebody that the other day. It's like your favorite reality. You just kind of, well, you got to watch it, you know, every night. So, I mean, God is bringing, I believe God is going to fulfill this. He's doing it. He's going to bring um, a backing to His Word through the signs and the wonders. That's what the Bible says they're for. It's to prove who He is. It's one of the things, besides His great love, of course, for mankind. So I believe that if we're going to see a real manifestation of this, we need a real revelation of who we are. We need to be possessors of a revelation that the very essence of the divinity, the very essence of the triune, almighty God, creator of the heavens and earth, He lives right here. He lives inside of me. He is Christ in me. Jesus taught this. Paul backed it up. And it's part of the God, it's part of the New Testament, it's part of the Old Testament. It is the covenant that we have. I loved on Tuesday night, you know, we were at Morningstar and didn't Andy do such an incredible job and Eli, all the Sarah and, and Brian of the worship and Byron was just preaching a tremendous message. 
talking about some of the angelic activity and all this. And uh, Steve Thompson, one of the pastors at Morningstar, gets up there and he says, okay, let's settle all this angel controversy once and for all. He said, all these people on the internet are all been out of shape about these angels and doing ministry to people and with people. He's like, think about it. The very core of our Christian theology is that not an angel, but God Himself lives in you. So, is it a big deal that an angel like shows up from time to time to minister to people? God lives in you. And you see, this is theology that I want to preach to you this morning. This is, this is a foundational doctrine, I believe, to our lives as Christians, specifically in these times that we live in. Because we're not going to be able to effectively release the kingdom of heaven out of our bellies. The river flows out of your belly unless we understand what it is. Unless we understand who it is. Unless we understand how it's released. Are you following me? So that's what I want to just look at a few scriptures here this morning. And uh, man, wasn't the just time with the Lord good? How many people just sense the, just the fire of God? Anybody, anybody feel like a burning? Yeah. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Hallelujah. So let's flip over to Colossians chapter 1. And um, I want to start with this, though, before I get into this verse, is one of the problems that I see, and I've studied uh, worldviews for about 10 years now by teaching this class at MCA, is that um, by and large, a huge portion of the Christian church in America has shied away from what I'm about to teach because of this, because of a pervasiveness of New Age thinking, Eastern religion that entered our nation in a huge measure beginning in the 1960s. And um, the New Agers believe basically with their philosophy about reality that everything is spiritual. Everything is supernatural. That's the realm that exists. That's the realm that's real. All of this physical stuff is just merely a byproduct of the spiritual world. It's called a variety of different things. Many of you are probably familiar with this. Chi, God consciousness, you know, whatever um, it's referred to. And so like some of these New Age thinkers, i got a couple quotes here. One guy says this. He said, The significance of incarnation and resurrection is not that Jesus was a human like us, but rather that we are gods like Him, little g or at least have the potential to be. Another guy said, the Son of God is not Jesus, but our combined Christ consciousness. To sum it up, they believe that Jesus is looked on as one of a select company having achieved Christ consciousness. Every person is encouraged to acquire this same level of consciousness. So in, in essence, what they're saying is there exists behind this physical world and universe a spirit realm that is a part of this God consciousness, uh, chi or whatever you want to refer to it as. And as humans, we need to connect ourselves with that. And as we do, we'll step into enlightenment or you know whatever the principle is that you pick and choose and where it comes from depending on the Eastern religion. This is very, very different than what we believe as Christians. Everybody say amen. Obviously, I am not God. You are not God, right? We, we do not believe in that. We believe in the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth 
Jesus Christ, His beloved Son, the Holy Spirit. But as we're going to see, that, that Godhead was, makes a home. And that home is inside of us. So you see, that's where I believe the mistake comes. I believe there's a lot of Christians that when you start talking about the spiritual world, heavenly realms, all this stuff, they're like, ah, that sounds a little new agey. You know, and so because of that, the church has swung in the past 30, 40 years over to more of a, a scientific naturalism stance. The naturalists tend to be atheists who believe that this is all there is. There is no such thing as angels and demons. There is no spirit world. There is no supernatural phenomena, whatever you want, UFO. All that is just a big fairy tale and hoax. So you have these two ends of the spectrum with the naturalists on one hand and the, the, the New Agers on the other. And how many know that what's interesting is there's such thing as half-truths in these. Where in reality, as a Christian, the Bible teaches in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 or 16, for by Him... Jesus, that is, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He brought, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, from the invisible world, He created the visible. So what that means is, as a Christian, the Bible teaches me that my spirit, the spiritual world exists, and the natural world exists. However... The supernatural world supersedes or is superior to the natural. And because the church has not wanted to get too trippy and too new agey and all this, by and large, I'm just speaking generally, we've kind of tried to scoot away from that. And so what I, the point I'm trying to make is um, this is a foundational doctrine, like I said, but it has nothing to do with this God consciousness mumbo-jumbo. It has nothing to do with us, with you gaining more for you, which is always a sign of witchcraft. I have students ask me, well, Mr. Well, how do I know the difference between the prophetic and the psychic? I was like, well, it's very simple, really. Psychic power is always for you. It's always for more, more for me, for me, for me. Prophetic, power, prophetic realm stuff is always about the glory of God. It's always about Him. It's always about giving Him what He, you know, the glory that He deserves. So anyway, I just wanted to, to throw that out there. Now, Paul says this in Colossians 1, verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh. Everybody say, fill up in my flesh. All right, remember that. We're going to deal with that in just a few minutes here. What is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. Verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. Say it's in its fullness. The Word of God in its fullness is what? Next slide. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. The fullness of God is the mystery. Well, what's the mystery? Well, he's going to tell us a mystery here. I believe there's two that he's referring to. The first one is this. The mystery that the non-Jews, that they refer to as the Gentiles, can actually receive the Holy Spirit, 
can actually become engrafted a part of the Jewish people and be in the same covenant with the God of Abraham that all the Jews could. That's a mystery. That's why it's just now been disclosed with the coming of Christ in the, in the New Testament, right? Now let's read further though. There's another mystery. To them, the Gentiles, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Oh, here, is there another mystery? Which is Christ in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, Christ in you. Christ lives in you the hope, the certainty, the expectation of the glory. How many people have experienced the glory realm? Just Maybe even just a little bit. Like this is a supernatural world. It's like God's world comes here. It's just the best way you can describe it in words. The glory of God resides right in here. Right in here. And I love what I heard Todd teaching recently. He said this. He said so many Christians are waiting for this almost like out-of-body thing where... You know, God's going to come out and just suck them into the third heaven. And, you know, just, and, he's like, and that may happen. I mean, <laughs> there may be some biblical precedence for that. But he said, really, instead of it's the glory. It's already there. It's just that simple. It resides right inside of me. Right inside. Not only that, but there's more. If that's not good enough, it gets better. He says in verse 28, we proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. I actually believe that what he's, part of what He's talking about about being perfect in Christ is this revelation that Christ is in you. It brings a, a maturity in Christ. To this end, I labor. There's work involved for Paul. Struggling with all his energy. Notice whose energy it was. Not Paul's, but his which so powerfully works where? In me. His energy works in me? How many people have ever experienced that? I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. The full riches. They may win the spiritual lottery. They may have the full riches in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, Christ in you, in whom are hidden all the treasures. All the treasures. All the treasures. All the treasures of what? Of wisdom and knowledge. Where are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? In Christ, in you. They're already there. We don't have to go seeking for them somewhere else because the spirit world already lives inside of us. We just need to go there and be seated with Christ in heavenly places, right here, right now, within me. All the treasures of wisdom. All the treasures of knowledge. Now, when I think of knowledge, I think of things that come into your mind, right? Well, your mind is part of your soul realm, which is different from your spirit. We're body, soul, and spirit. Our body, the physical. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our feelings. And our spirit is that God part that lives forever, right? That thing that, become, that becomes one with Him. And when, according to John 3, we're born again of the Spirit, it's recreated. It becomes alive, I guess. 
So, where is the knowledge? The knowledge is in your spirit man. So in order to get that knowledge, you just, by faith, access that realm that lives inside of you with Christ. Amen? Let's look at another example of this in uh, Romans. No, not Romans. I'm sorry. Luke 17. Now this is Jesus talking. And, um, you know, it's important to note that interpreting Scripture, you always interpret Paul in view of Jesus not the other way around. I've seen people make mistakes by adopting or, or developing a theology based around Paul's teaching, but somehow it doesn't fit with what Jesus taught. And to me that doesn't make sense because Paul is interpreting Christ. He is In Colossians 1, this is an example, what I'm, we just read in 1 and 2, Paul is giving a thesis on what we're about to read, for example, from Luke 17. And here's what it is. Luke 17, 20, Jesus says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Pharisees really stuck here in the soul realm in their mind, trying to figure it all out. The kingdom of God, if again I can remind you, and you'll go with me to the kingdom of God being synonymous for God's world, His realm, His supernatural world, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth, there you go, Brianna. That's what Jesus is talking about here. The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within... The kingdom of God is within you. I've never noticed the sequence here, but going on there in verse 22, Jesus begins to tell about the hard times that are coming. In those days... You will wish that I was here. That's <laughs> what he, he basically goes on to say. He's preaching about end times. He's preaching about the persecution. He's telling his disciples this. Could it be that Jesus is saying, listen guys, you need a revelation that my world, my heavenly realm, where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge where they exist, they are within sight of you. The reason you need this is because there's a really bad day coming. And when this really bad day happens, you're going to need access to my spirit world. Could it be that what Jesus was saying when He said, I only do what I see the Father doing, is He was saying, the kingdom of heaven lives inside of me by the Holy Spirit. And so I can know that when the Holy Spirit comes into my spirit, it overtakes my soul realm, and I can feel, I can, I can think in my mind things that come from the Spirit, man that overflow into my soul, man, and therefore I know the thoughts of God. I know even what the feelings are. Let me give you an example. Last Sunday in this service, Sherry Starr pulls me over in the back of the room. She said, Matthew, I've got this tingling sensation, something like that, in my left wrist. She said, I believe it's a word of knowledge. So I just came up here, gave it out, and lo and behold, Janice seated over there, I just encourage anybody this word was for, well, you know, we're not going to lay hands on it, just receive it right now. She had a cyst on her left wrist that just dissolved as she laid hold. So what happened there? I believe that what happened was Sherry allowed, let, let this be in you, Paul teaches let the Spirit of God, surely allow the Spirit of God to come, so fill our spirit that even, it even overflows sometimes into our whole being. 
It's because have you ever wondered? I've had somebody say this to me. There's a difference between human compassion and God's compassion. Have you ever heard that? Like there's a difference between feeling sorry for somebody and really like feeling Jesus' compassion. You know where he just the Bible says he had compassion, healed them all. There's those are two different things. And so my thought is this: Well, how do I know the difference? And I feel like the Lord is just showing me recently in Matthew, the way you know the difference is because you saturate my, yourself in my glory. You let your spirit so get filled with the presence of God that it spills over even into your mind, will, and emotions realm to where you can literally feel at times in your body things happening. You can literally, like, often right now, I'm getting these words of knowledge. Well, how do I get the words of knowledge? Well, it usually comes like playing the game. Um, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever played that first thing that comes to your mind? It's kind of like that, but it's within the glory realm. It's the best way I can describe it. And all I can tell you is, as I have experienced that and seeing God heal people like that, I'm realizing, oh, there, I believe this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. It's what Paul is trying to teach us here. So I want to reemphasize to you the value of prayer in the form of the contemplative prayer, in the form of meditation. I mean, just take some of these scriptures even this week and just sit quietly and let the Spirit of God reverberate them inside of your spirit and see what begins to happen, you know? And so that's in the realm of our ministry to the world. That's what I think God's doing right now. In the realm of, of maybe some existing sin in your life that you just can't seem to overcome. You just can't seem to conquer that or it creeps up on you from time to time. Everybody's experienced that. As we get saturated in the glory of God, as we continue to just spend our time in His glory, you know, it's like... How many know that the Bible says that sin, well, what you believe rules you. You know, and if you keep meditating and thinking on things, eventually it produces things in your life, good and bad, you know? So as the glory of God begins to overtake those things in your soul realm, God begins to do a supernatural work of grace in your life. How many people have experienced that? Romans 8, you guys okay? All right, this is the last scripture. No, it's getting late. Romans 8, verse 11. I love this verse. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, in you? In you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies your physical body through His Spirit who lives where? Who lives in you. I just want to encourage you. If you've got aches and pains, if you've got cancer, if you've got you know, arthritis, whatever, just ask for the Spirit of God just to saturate your being. Because the Bible says that the resurrection power of God, it says it right here. The Spirit of Him who raised you from the dead is living in you. Just let that thing continue to soak you, saturate you, and rise up in your spirit man to overtake your physical body. Amen? Let it be so, God. Mm, thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we just thank you, God. We just thank you that resurrection power, God, just resides in us, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. Mm. And in verse 15, dropping on down, what the Lord's been speaking to us for about the past year now, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, or Daddy, Father. Daddy, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we get the inheritance. Everything in the will is ours. If, we're, if we are children, then we're heirs. If we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in what? In His glory. There's the glory again. The glory realm of Christ. As we share in His sufferings, we share in His glory. The Spirit of God lives in us. And, um, well, let me just stop with that. I, I just want to say one other thing. I believe that for a long time, unfortunately, I believe I got this somewhat backwards. Because this right here was the master. This was the servant. You understand? The mind was the master. Figuring it out. Give me the principles. I'll live by the rules. I'll do this. I'll do that. Principles on how to do it. Principles on your money. Principles on this. Da, da, da. Follow these things. It'll work out. Rather than receiving by the Spirit what cannot be comprehended with the mind and then letting that overtake the mind. See, it's not that there's not a role for the mind to play. It's just that the mind is the servant. The Spirit is the Master. So for so long, I just, I just didn't get it. You know, because I didn't understand that there is... Well, I knew there was a spiritual world, but I didn't realize the magnitude of it. I didn't understand that it is far superior to the physical world. And it's not all about the, you know, the seeing these things and the blue lights and the, you know, what, all these things that, you know, the water falling. That's great. But whether you see, hear, feel anything, the spirit realm is still available. It's still in operation. It's still gonna, you're going to still get the wisdom that you need, right? From, because that's what Colossians said. The treasures of wisdom are contained there. And it's right there in you. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Thank Matthew, you, why don't you just stay right there? Why don't everybody stand up? Matthew, why don't you pray over us? Just release that in us. Um, think an impartation. First of all, we need to know if Grandma was good with that message. Are you on? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's just lift our hands up to the Lord. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Kingdom come. For your presence. Oh, we just receive you. Right now, God, I ask you to open the gateways of heaven over each and every mind, over each and every soul, each and every person in this place, God. Lord, I release the kingdom of heaven to just come. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will 
be revealed in each of our lives. God, as we receive Your Spirit realm, as we live from that realm, as we learn how to access that realm and just live with You, God, in sweet communion and fellowship. God, just release it. Release it all over this room. Release it all over this room. All over this room. Let it flow, God. Let it just flow. Let it saturate and permeate every fiber of our being. God, we just say whatever. We just say yes to You, Jesus. We just say we got to have more at all costs, God. Mm. Thank You, Lord. Mm. Mm. Lord, I just ask that You would release the Spirit within us, Lord God, that You would release more. Lord, spring up a well within each one of us. Spring up a well, Lord God. Spring up a well. Holy Spirit, come forth. Come forth within us, Lord. Just release the Spirit within us, Lord, and take us over. Take us over. Take us over, Lord God. We ask You to continue to teach us, Lord, how to release the Spirit within us, Lord, not to be dependent on outside circumstances, the way things look or seem, but that the Spirit within us would be released from the depths, Lord, and the atmosphere changes, the kingdom would be released, and that we would see Your evidence of Your signs and wonders, Lord God, that You would just release that right now within each person here. You would just unstop the well. Unstop the well. Unstop the well. Unstop the well. well. Let Your Spirit be released in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank You, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just invite the ministry team up. And if anybody would like more prayer than what you've received already, we have people up here to pray for you. You still need healing. Just anything that we can um, just release prayer on you for, just we invite you to come on now. And otherwise, be blessed and have a great day in the Lord. Amen.